Well, good morning. It's good to be with you again this morning. My, I want to extend my personal welcome to those who are with us for the very first time. Thanks for being here. As um, Herb shared, um, I want to encourage you to connect with us, fill out a connect card at the information table and put that in the basket there. We'd love to connect with you. And it's the Sunday after Easter, and we want to celebrate how God moved last weekend um, during our Easter gathering, as we know of at least two that surrendered their lives to Jesus last Sunday, um, which is pretty, I mean, not pretty awesome. It's awesome. The angels rejoice, and I think, church, we got to get better at rejoicing when two people come to know Jesus. I think sometimes we, I don't know why we don't, um, but the angels are throwing a party, right? We just kind of like, oh, that's cool, and then let's move on to real stuff. Now, that, that is the real stuff. So we want to celebrate that. We're excited about that, what God's doing among us. Um, if you have a, a note card at your, um, or an index card at your seat, I want you to pull that out. We have pens kind of um, on some stands over here if you don't have a pen. Um, what I'm going to ask you to do is, is on that note, cord, note card, I want you to write down just something that you walked in here this morning and you're just struggling with. Something you're just struggling with. It could be a circumstance in your life. It could be a job situation. Um, you know, it could be a certain sin issue. Um, it could be pride. Um, if I were to uh, write down on my note card, I'll be vulnerable here for a moment. If I were to write down on my note card, it would be uh, my struggle with pride, that need to belong, that need for people to, to like what I say, to like me. Um, other issues would be stuff in my thoughts. Man, if I, if I were to put on the screen the horrific thoughts that go through my mind sometimes, I, you would be, it'd be awful. I would be highly embarrassed, all right? And I'm just being open with you because I want you to be honest, all right? Nothing to hide here. Just put it on your note card. What are you struggling with this morning? What, what's going on in your heart, in your life? Um, could be financial situation, whatever it might be. I just want you to take a moment to write down on that card what it is that you're just struggling with here this morning. And as you do that, I want to I ask you a question. Did you know that there's an important message that you need to be telling yourself? There's an important message that you need to be telling yourself every day. This message you need to be telling yourself when you wake up in the morning, when your feet hit the floor. This message you need to be telling yourself when you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. This is the message you need to be telling your kids when they're well, just be telling your kids. It's the message you need to be telling yourself when your kids are driving you crazy. And it's the message you need to be telling yourself, kids, when your parents are driving you crazy. It's the message you need to tell yourself when your bank account's near empty, when you don't like your job, when you're exhausted with life. It's the message you need to tell yourself when you feel alone and you're tired of being alone. It's the message you need to tell yourself when you give in to that same old sin like some of you did last night or this morning. It's the message you need to tell yourself when you just are tired and you're not sure if you can just stick it out anymore. And I'm speaking primarily to those who would call yourself a Christian this morning, a follower of Jesus. It's a message that you need to tell one another in your living communities and with your living communities. And if you're married this morning, it's the message you need to tell your spouse every day. It's a message you need to tell your boss. It's the message you need to Tell your neighbors it's the message you need to spread on the college campuses, whether here or abroad. Do you know what this message is? And is this message the message you tell yourself every single day? Because it's the message that you need and should be telling yourself every day. 
This message is found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you have a copy of the scriptures with you this morning, I want to encourage you to turn there with me. 1 Corinthians 15. You see, the most important message for you before you become a Christian is the gospel. The most important message for you before you become a Christian is the gospel. And the most important message for you when you are a Christian is still the gospel. We're the Sunday after Easter, and on Easter Sunday, those of us in church world, church leader world, it's like, man, Easter Sunday, we're going to give them the gospel, right? We're going to just give them the gospel. We're going to tell them about Jesus and how he died on the cross for their sins and how he came back to life. Then what do you preach the Sunday after Easter? Somehow we think, okay, now we got the gospel out. Now let's go to something else. Whoa, 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 whoa. The message we need to be preaching after Easter is the same message we preached on Easter, and it's called the gospel. And somehow we've grown up thinking that the gospel is all I need to get saved, but it's not what I need as I'm living the saved life. Somehow we think the gospel is kind of the hors d'oeuvre, if you will, but then there's other stuff out there that we need to be chewing on. The gospel is a whole five-course meal. It's everything. It's the appetizer, it's the main course, it's the dessert, it's everything in between. It's the snack. The most important message for you and me before we become Christians is the gospel, and the most important message for us when we are Christians is still the gospel, and Paul communicates that to us here in 1 Corinthians 15, and I just want to kind of unpack this for us this morning. We're going to look at four observations that he makes specifically in verses 1 through 8. So I would encourage you to follow along. We have Bibles spread around. If you don't have a Bible, I would again highly encourage you to follow along with us. It will help you to follow along in a copy of the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Follow along with me as I read. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, referencing passing away, death. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Now, the first observation that we see Paul revealing here about the gospel is that the gospel is also for Christians. The gospel is also for Christians. Look, who is he talking to? Verse 1, now brothers... I want to remind you of the gospel. He's talking to the church. Now, brothers was kind of a term like our word guys. Like I would address men and women, hey, guys, we need need to be reminded of the gospel. He's saying, now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. He's speaking primarily to the church. Now, the gospel was the very first message that Paul showed up preaching when he arrived in Corinth, and you can read about it in the gospel or in the book of Acts, chapter 18, verses 5 through 8. Shows up into Corinth with Aquila and Priscilla, and he shows up, and the first thing it says is he testified to them about how Jesus was the Christ. Now, Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half. What did he change his message? Did he change? Did he stop telling them about the gospel? If you read 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, it says this, Paul writes, For I resolved to know nothing among you 
except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So for the year and a half He's there, His message never changed. He continued to remind them of the gospel. He continued to teach them on the gospel. And then if you read the entire book of 1 Corinthians, and I would encourage you to do this study, he addresses so many topics and issues that the church is dealing with. And for every issue, at some point, he brings them back to the gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and came back to life. At some point in every issue, he brings them back to that truth, to that reality. He brings them back to the gospel message. And he's talking to Christians Now, brothers, Christians, I want to remind you of the gospel. How many of you have flown in an airplane before? And some of you, okay, most of us have, right? And I find this interesting that, and I've flown multiple times, that the message that they give when you board the plane is the same every single time, right? It's the exact same message. What I would love is that they would ask this question, how many of you have flown before? All right, there's something else there's, you know, for you to do. We're, how many of you have not flown before? Okay, now we're going to talk specifically to those who have not flown before. We're going to give you the safety demonstration because for sure those of you that have flown before can remember everything that you need to remember in the case there's an emergency. No, they don't do that. Why? Because it's the most important message for every person on that plane. They repeat it over and over and over, regardless of whether you're a first-time flyer or you've been flying for years. Why? Because it's the most important message for every person on that plane, every single one of them. And they're confident that, hey, you need to be reminded of this just in case there's an emergency situation. We, we want to remind you just in case you've forgotten since the last time you've flown. And I will tell you this, every day is an emergency situation for a Christian. Because every day the enemy is looking at you and calling your name and saying, you're going to give in to this temptation? You're going to do that? You're really going to act that way? Every day is an emergency situation. Therefore, every day we need to be reminded of the gospel. Every single day. So the gospel is for Christians too. My question for us this morning is, what's your response to it? You ever watch, when you're sitting on a plane, what do most people do during the safety demonstration? They're not listening. They don't care, right? They pull out the phones, they got the iPads, they're still texting, hey, I'm boarding, blah, 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 post on Facebook, whatever, in the middle of the most important message of the entire flight. And I wonder if sometimes as Christians, as a church, that's how we respond to the gospel. Give me something else. Give me something else. I got this whole Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Really, then why do you still sin? To the same old sin. You got that? Really? We need to be reminded, church, of the gospel over and over and over again. The gospel is not just the most important message for you before you become a Christian. It's the most important message for you when you are a Christian. Well, why? Paul goes on to say, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Now, let me hit this little phrase that Paul uses, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Some would interpret that as, as Paul referencing you can lose your salvation. That's not what he's meaning. What he's meaning here is that if you hold on to the gospel, that is evidence that you are saved. If you're not holding on to the gospel, then you never had it in the first place. 
It never took root. It was like the birds who came, across, came along and picked up the seed, all right, or it was the rocky ground didn't take root. It was the thorns that choked it out. And so his point, really you could read it as, but he's looking at the Corinthians, and they struggled with sin, absolutely. Really you could read it as, since you hold firmly. But if you're not holding firmly to the gospel, then really it never took root, which means you believed in vain. And then he backs up and he says, okay, so if you hold firmly to the word, and he's assuming that they are holding firmly to the word of God, holding firmly to the gospel. And then he says, here's, the gospel's amazing because it does supernatural stuff for the Christian. It does, it does the supernatural for you even while you sit here, the gospel's working in your life. Right now, it's doing stuff for you and for me. It, it is, it's at work. And he says, the gospel is standing you up. You are taking your stand on the truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross and came back to life. You're standing on it. You're stand, it can stand you up. So I don't feel like it doesn't matter what your feelings tell you. What matters is what Jesus Christ did for you. And regardless of how you feel, he died on the cross for you. And the gospel is holding you up even when you feel like it's not holding you up. John Patton was a Scottish missionary to cannibals. Can you believe that? Imagine being called to cannibals. All right? He was, he was called to proclaim the gospel in the South Pacific Islands to cannibals. And as he's kind of learning how they work, which would be interesting, He's trying to help them understand this word believe, what it means to believe. And one guy came in and he sat in a chair and he talked about how the chair was holding him up. And John Patton was like, that's the word for belief. That's what the gospel does. The gospel stands you up. You see, when the enemy comes along and says, man, that, that sin that you just keep committing over and over, the gospel says, Jesus has forgiven that sin. Stands you up. When you're feeling like, I'm tired of being alone, the gospel says, God sent his son so that you could be his own. You're part of his family. You're not alone anymore. The gospel stands you up. When you're worrying and you're wondering, God, how you, I don't know how we're going to get through this. The gospel reminds you that if God is willing to send his own son and give you that, then how will he not graciously give us all things, Romans 8.32. The gospel will stand you up. The gospel does the standing for you. And he said, believing is putting your whole weight on God. The gospel's strong enough. Listen, if Jesus is strong enough to rescue us from hell's grip, sin's control, and death itself, then isn't he strong enough to sustain you through life's struggling circumstance? If the gospel is strong enough to do that for us, then what makes it think makes us think that it won't continue to hold us up during the difficult times of life. The gospel's strong enough to stand you up and you stand on it. You stand on the truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. But then he says, by this gospel you are saved, and it's present tense. So it really could read this, by this gospel you are being saved. You are being saved right now. That's what the gospel does. The gospel definitely justifies you, positions you into right standing with God, but it's also the gospel that keeps sanctifying you, keeps making you holy, making you look more like Jesus. It's what the gospel does. It's supernatural. It's doing that for you. It's kind of like this whole life jacket thing, right? It's like we come to Christ, Jesus rescues us, right? He rescues us through our, and he forgives us. 
holds us up, let's do this, because this is what's going on right now, whether you think it is or not. This is what the gospel is doing. The gospel is standing you up. The gospel is saying, I'll take care of you. The gospel said, you belong. The gospel says, you're forgiven. The gospel says, your guilt is wiped away. The gospel says, you're accepted. The gospel says, God loves you regardless of anybody else doesn't and you don't feel like they do. That's what the gospel says, and it stands you up. And the gospel also says, you're, you're saved. You're forgiven. Well, what about that sin that I just committed? Forgiven, present tense, now. Not only do you stand right now positionally and right standing before God, but that gospel continues to forgive you every moment of every day. His mercies are new. It's not, they're new every morning. It's not like when we get saved, oh, I got the life preserver, now the preserver goes away. It stays. Jesus stays. His spirit stays. And he keeps confirming to you that he's continuing to forgive you. And it's, it's an amazing reality. So when we do sin as Christians, it's the gospel that reminds us that he's continuing to forgive you of your sins. I want to say the gospel not only saves you from sin, it's what sustains us through life. The gospel is not only what gives you new life in Christ, it's what gets us through life as we follow Christ. That's what the gospel does. It's what the gospel is supposed to do. It's what Jesus does. And what's this? It's what the Father does. It's what the Spirit does in us. A third observation that Paul reveals to us about the gospel is that the gospel is the most important message for Christians. He says in verse 3, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Now Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 tells us that Jesus Christ personally himself delivered the gospel to Paul. And so Paul received it. Jesus Christ personally was Paul's discipler. And so Jesus disciples Paul, but Paul didn't hold on to the message for himself. He says, no, this is so good. This has got to be shared to the world. So Paul doesn't just hold on to the gospel for himself. The first thing he does when he shows up in Corinth is he tells them the gospel. He tells them about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for their sins. It was first importance. It was the message he spoke when he first showed up as a message he continued to speak while he was there. Just read the letter. It was the message he told young Timothy in 2 Timothy. He said, Timothy, you need to remind your congregation that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for their sins and has been raised to life. You need to keep reminding them of that truth. The gospel was the message that he told Titus when he was training young pastors on the island of Crete. He said, you need to teach them the gospel. You need to keep reminding them of the sound doctrine that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for those people's sins and he's come back to life. Listen, Paul taught churches on marriage. He taught them on sex. He taught them on singleness. He taught them on money. He taught them on church division. He taught on all kinds of loads of subjects. But it was always through the context of the gospel message. He always brought them back to the reality that Jesus Christ had died on the cross for their sins and he's alive. The gospel was Jesus' message. He looks at the disciples and says, go proclaim the gospel to every creation. Every creature, everyone, as we read earlier. The gospel was Paul's go-to play every single time, and he ran it all the time. Do we really believe the gospel when it says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is what? What is it? Power of who? Of God. We're begging for the power of God in our lives, and God's going, I've already given it to you. His name is Jesus. I've given you his spirit. You have it. You possess it. You have it. If you want the power of God in your life, look at the gospel. 
over and over and over again. Be reminded that your sins are horrific before a holy God, but because of God's amazing love to you, He sent His only Son to die on a cross so that you could be in right standing with Him forever. And He guarantees you forever life because of the resurrection for those who believe. That's the gospel. And it was the most important message, not just for the unbeliever, but Paul says it was the most important message for the church, for the Christians. Well, why does Paul remind them? Why does he want to remind them? I'm studying this and going, why, do, why does he want to remind the church of the gospel? Why does he want to remind them that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and came back to life? I mean, they, some of them were probably new believers, new Christians. Others maybe had known Christ for several years. Well, he wants to remind them because they'd forgotten it. Literally, the word remind there, make known to you, means Paul's saying, I want to recall to your memory because it's escaped your memory. And because it's escaped your memory, you're falling into sin. Forgetting the gospel was leading this church to sin. Just read the letter, loads of issues. All right? We have loads of issues in this room. I have incredible sin issues in my life. And Paul's looking at me going, Forgiven, forgiven, absolutely forgiven, loved by God. And how, how do you know that, Mark? Because of the cross, because of the empty tomb. So Paul reminds them of the gospel because they'd forgotten it. How many of us have truly forgotten the power of the gospel in our lives, what the gospel's doing for us, what the gospel has done for us? You see, the gospel not only provides forgiveness from your sin, or for your sin, the gospel is the chief motivator not to sin. Is this not enough? What more do we need not to sin? What more do we need God to do in our lives for us to say, if he's willing to go to that cost, to pay that price, what makes they think I need to try to find some other technique to stop sinning? I just need to keep looking at Jesus and who he's done, or who he is and what he's done for me. So Paul reminds them because they were forgetting the gospel, and that's why he references it all throughout his letter in 1 Corinthians. But the forgetting of the gospel also led them to believe wrong doctrine. If you look at verse 12 of chapter 15, he says, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So someone was coming into this living community at Corinth, and they were spewing wrong doctrine, wrong theology. And so Paul says, wait a second, the gospel, because you're forgetting the truth of the gospel, it's causing you to believe something that isn't true. And then if you look at verses 33 and 34 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character, come back to your senses as you ought. And he says, stop sinning. And when he says, come back to your senses, I think he's saying, you need to come back to the reality of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You need to be looking there for your truth. So forgetting the gospel is leading them to sin. The flip side of that is then we need to be in the gospel because the gospel is a chief motivator not to sin. And if you want to know and spot a fake, you know the truth. If you want to spot a fake who's preaching or teaching something that isn't true, you go to the gospel, compare what they're saying to what Paul and Jesus has to say about what the gospel is. And they were forgetting the gospel because they were trying to, they were, they were struggling with, is this really worth it? Is serving Jesus really worth it? Is serving and living kids really worth it? Is coming early and setting up really worth it? Is hosting a living community and my basement's an absolute wreck after the kids? Is that really worth it? Is having 24 people in my home when they only said 11, is that really worth it? That's, Corinthians were struggling with that. 
But if you look at the end of the chapter, he says this, verse 58, therefore, what's the therefore? He just reminded them of the gospel, that death has no sting. Sin, gone, because of the gospel. Therefore, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain, because Jesus is alive, and he's coming back again, and one day you're going to be with him, and it's an awesome motivation. The gospel is not only a chief motivator for us not to sin, it's the chief motivator for us to serve. And if you're not serving the body, if you're not serving the church, then you don't understand the gospel. If you're not serving your community, you're not loving your neighbors, then you don't understand the gospel. Jesus was a missionary. He came into our world and lived among us so that we could know him, which is the gospel. And that's our chief motivation to do the same for those who need Christ. That's why Kevin and Sean go. And for some of us, it it might end up going to a different state. For some of us, we need to just go across the street. And I get it. It's hard. It's it's. You know, what do I say? What do I do? You've got the Spirit of God because of the gospel. Go. You've got the power of God. Go. Recently, Grant, our oldest, got uh, his temps, driving temps. He's doing excellent. He really is. I'm not just saying that because he's in the room. But he, he's really, he's doing excellent. And as I was driving along and thinking about this message, I'm like, you know, as Paul drove through life, the gospel was his windshield. He saw everything through the windshield of the gospel. Everything. He saw everything through the lens that Jesus Christ had died on the cross and come back to life. He saw his own sin through the gospel. He saw other people's sin through the gospel. He saw suffering through the reality of that the king of kings suffered for him. He saw everything through that lens. Everything. And so when you're driving home today and you're looking through your, through your windshield, I hope and my prayer is that that windshield that you see every single day as you drive along will be a reminder that Jesus loves you, will be a reminder that your sins are forgiven, will be a reminder that you're accepted, that you're beloved in Christ, because that's what the gospel says. It's what the gospel does. The gospel was Paul's windshield. And so what are some implications for us? The implications are simply the gospel is the first and most important reason for not sinning. It's not only what provides us forgiveness from sin, it's what motivates us not to sin. It's the first and foremost motivator for serving people, for loving people. Jesus washing the disciples' feet, what a beautiful model to us of the gospel, serving others. I mean, what would it look like if you saw what's on your note card through the lens and windshield of the gospel? What would it look like? That doesn't mean that the pain or the suffering goes away. But it means you're not alone. You're not alone. I want you to think through that note card and start looking through that, through the lens of the gospel, through the windshield of the gospel. Um, Another um, observation is that the gospel is Christ. The gospel is Christ. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared. And we, he lists this big list of people that have seen the risen Jesus. Listen, the gospel literally means good news, which implies there's bad news. The gospel is not just that Jesus lived and died. There's a lot of people, religious people, who live and die. 
The gospel, as Paul says, is this, that Christ died for our sins. That tells me there's a problem. I have a problem. You have a problem. That's the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that He's a mediator. He's our substitute, and that He was buried. Okay, buried is just evidence that He really died. All right, so if we question, did Jesus really die? Well, He was buried. That pretty much sums up, okay, that, that's the evidence. You don't bury someone who's alive. Well, some people do, unfortunately, but not Jesus, okay? And he says, according to the Scriptures, because Paul's just saying, listen, if you, if you don't trust me, the Old Testament proves it. Isaiah 53, Genesis 3.15, Psalm 22, all points to the fact that we're going to have a Redeemer who would come and die on a cross for our sins. Then he says, and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. The resurrection was proven in the Old Testament. The Valley of Dry Bones, you have um, Jonah. Jesus references the story of Jonah, the event of Jonah to his resurrection in Luke chapter 11. The Gospels, Jesus, first and foremost, Jesus. Look how often he references Christ and refers to he appeared. He was buried. He died. He was raised. All these different things. The gospel is all about Christ dying for our sins on a cross and being raised on the third day. It has nothing to do with you or me. When our kids were little, Grant was not yet in kindergarten. And I remember he was about ready to go to kindergarten. And I remember listening to some talk from some guy on the radio. I don't even know who the dude was. But he was talking about how his son was getting ready to go to kindergarten for the first day. And he and his son had created this family signal to communicate the words, I love you, when they verbally couldn't say it. And the family signal was the number three. And I'm like, that's awesome. We're going to do that. And so in our family, we do this. When we're in a situation where we can't hear each other say I love you, we just hold up the number three. And we know exactly what that means in our family. It means I love you. And then it's kind of turned into four means I love you too. Five means I love you very much. This, this, this means total infinity. <laughs> All right. So we've kind of adapted the signal a little bit. Listen, the gospel is God's three to us, to Christians, to his family. If you want to know if God loves you, just look at the cross. Look at the empty tomb every single day. It's God's I love you to you and to me. The gospel is the most important message for us before we become Christians and the most important message for us when we are Christians. Listen, let me give you some implications here. If you really want to tell your kids God loves them, you'll tell them they're sinners. <laughs> How's that take, right? You will tell them they're sinners. Why? Because if you never tell them they're sinners, they'll never know they need Jesus. So when your kid does something wrong, I know I've been there. We do it too, all right? Oh, it's okay. And you come along. I'm not saying you're, just, you're filthy, rotten, dirty, rotten sinner. You know, and they're like three, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, listen, you need to tell them, you know why you did that? Because of sin. And you explain sin to them. But here's a beautiful part. Jesus tied to take that sin away so that you can spend forever with him someday. If you really love your kids, you tell them you're sinners, but you won't stay there. You'll tell them about God's love through Christ. And if you really love your spouse, if you're married, you'll tell them the gospel. Be careful and tell them they're a sinner. They already know it. All right? 
I'm not saying you do that, but I'm saying, listen, when they're struggling with belonging, they're struggling with acceptance, they're struggling with feeling like either you love them or not, you remind them of the gospel. Listen, you're accepted in Christ. You belong to God's family. You're a son or daughter of God. Honey, I love you, but there's someone that loves you even more than me. His name is Jesus. You remind them of the gospel. It's the first message you should tell yourself when your feet hit the floor in the morning. Try this. Can you try this this week? When your feet hit the floor, wake up going, Jesus Christ, you have died on the cross for my sins, and you are alive right now. That means I am fully forgiven. I'm accepted in you. I belong. You've given me a mission. Start talking to yourself like that because it's true. If you're in Christ, it's true. So what are you going to do? How do we treat the gospel? Do we treat it like the people in the airplane that have flown multiple times? Or are we going to actually, I need it. <laughs> Memorize it. Get to know Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. At times in, in, in church world, okay, pastor world, it amazes me sometimes how people will come and they're struggling with certain sins and all this stuff. And I'm like, are you in the word? No. Well, the gospel is Genesis to Revelation because it all points to Jesus. You've got to get in the word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And can I be real vulnerable another time for you guys? There was a point in my life, married life, when I was struggling with a deep sin. And it was the gospel that got me out. It was knowing the gospel. It was memorizing the gospel that got me out. And I, I can tell you as a personal testimony, it is the power of God. It is. Because the gospel is God. The gospel is Jesus. The gospel is his spirit. The gospel is his son. Do we believe it? Do we believe it's enough? Listen. Listen to me. If you're here and you're a Christian, this is you, right? You're being saved. You're accepted. You're standing on the gospel. He's loving you. He's holding you up. He's saying, I don't care. You could feel all kinds of things, but I know how I feel about you, and right now I love you, and I will always love you. I will never leave you. He may leave, she may leave, but I'm never leaving. If I'm willing to send my son to get you, I'm going to keep you, regardless of what happens in your life. This is how we stand. This is our position, Christian. This is our position, church, in Christ. And this is our motivation to resist sin. This is our motivation to serve. This is our motivation to love one another because he first loved us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Put it on the screen if we can. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I want to ask the band to come up if they wouldn't begin playing. To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I want you to grab your note card this morning. Grab it. I want you to look at it. I want you to look at what's on that note card through the windshield of the gospel. Through the windshield of the cross and the empty tomb. Whatever's on that note card, maybe you're struggling this morning with acceptance. The cross tells us you're accepted. The Father accepts you. You struggle with belonging. The cross tells you you belong to the family of God. You're a son or daughter of God. You're struggling with sin and giving into that same old sin. It tells you you're forgiven, but it's also the motivation to stop sinning. That's what the, that's what the cross does. That's what the gospel does. So we're going to sing a song.
It's called Christ is Enough. And I want to give us the opportunity to respond this morning to Jesus. I want to give us the the opportunity to respond to him and say, I'm leaving it at the cross. I'm looking at this now through the fact that you saved me, through the fact that you've rescued me from sin, through the fact that you've placed your spirit inside me. I'm looking at this now through the fact that I belong to you, you love me unconditionally. And so as they just play, I just want us to stand at this moment, if you would. And here's what I'd like to encourage you to do. As we begin singing, and you're saying, today, I'm going to begin looking at this through the gospel. Would you just come to the cross and just lay it on the floor beneath the cross? Because that's where it is. So as we sing, if the Spirit so prompts you to respond in that way, That you're saying, today I'm looking at this through the cross. I'm looking at this through the empty tomb. I'm looking at this through Jesus, through the Father's love for me. I want to encourage you to come and just lay it at the cross. Lay it at the cross as we sing this morning.